is a Woodside Church podcast. This today, I want to bring something, and then I praise God that it came up. The the team and the topics came up um, in our worship, which which is a great encouragement, and we praise God. Um, but before that, okay, I want you all. Uh, how many of you are good in mathematics? Yeah, <laughs> some engineers at the back sitting, putting their hand off, and uh, uh, oh, is this because you know this already? Hey, okay, 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 I get it. Right, um, how many of you hate mathematics? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, right. How many of you are mathematics teacher here? Oh, thank God, nobody. <laughs> right, okay. Um, how do you solve this equation? Got you there. Um, all those who said they love mathematics. Right, okay. This is different, bro. This is different. No, that's not the one. That's not the one. Got you there. Um, uh, he, he was thinking of what I've previously done before. No, that's not the one. This is different. All right. This was in an exam paper, a uh, question paper for one of the students, a clever student, definitely. Um, I think he is a Christian. Um, he follows. And this is the answer he gives. The next one, please. To which the teacher replied, not on this question. <laughs> and not just gives him, it's not just zero, it's give minus five. <laughs> Do not use God's name in vain. <laughs> right, okay. It's just amazing, isn't it? So, um, guess what? My topic for today is the mathematics of discipleship. Yay. I'm not going to be teaching like that guy, all right? Okay? I'm not going to be teaching. Though Jesus is the answer um, for all our uh, problems and everything, okay? But not for that question. Um, okay. Um, so we're going to be looking at what Jesus was teaching. One of the things as disciples, and Jesus was making disciples, he was calling his disciples, he was leading his disciples, training them, coaching them. And uh, one of the things he wants to learn to become a good disciple or to become a disciple. He just says, you just need to learn maths. I'm gonna teach you some mathematics. Rock is smiling. Um, um, good, okay, but before that, um, we're gonna see this interesting question which you can participate in answering. The question is, what is the difference between a disciple and a student? Fire answers, quick up. Nothing. Whoa. Disciple follows. Very good. Student learns. It's application. Disciple copies. Very good. Pardon? They both question. Very good. I will put it simpler. Okay? Student, we are really good at making students disciples. Jesus wants us to make disciples. So it's important that we understand uh, what is the difference between student and a disciple. Simply putting, a disciple becomes like the guru. Yeah? 
become. But student necessarily doesn't have to become like the teacher. Do you understand? So, and again, student goes to a place to learn. In the morning, it's more event-based. You go to an event, the teacher comes there, they teach, they take notes, they take a lot of things. It's not necessary that they will use all of that they are taking in. They will, and also I'm not saying they're not going to use anything. They will use a lot of things, but for their own purpose. More a consumerist way of, you know, do you understand? We are not called to be students, but rather disciples. In the olden days, if you know the gurus and disciples system, what these people, the disciples, will leave their home, leave everything, go and live with the guru. Yeah, they live with the guru. They observe the guru. They, they follow him day and night, and they begin to do what the guru does. And at one point of time when the guru is gone, what happens? They become the guru, and they train disciples. You see, um, this is the simple difference. Um, if I would put it in a simpler way to understand, disciples are, sorry, students are like solar panels. Solar panel, what does a solar panel do? Amazing. Solar panel observes the solar energy, fills and has, you know, stows so much energy in it by which it can be used to so many things, to do so many things, but when there's no sun, when there's no, you know, not enough energy, or when the energy runs out, it is drained out. It is not always in use and things like that. On the other hand, what Jesus is saying when he is calling you and me as disciples is this, he wants us to be like the sun rather than the solar panel. He is wanting us to be like the sun, the source of energy, the power by God's grace. And why I'm saying this is that Jesus constantly refers to this in so many passages, so many ways. He's like, you are my disciples because you are on the journey of becoming like me. Yay. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? You and I are in the journey of becoming like Jesus. What does this mean? We're going to be holy. We are holy. We are holy. We're going to be righteous, do everything like Jesus. Jesus, what did he do? He did only what the Father wanted him to do. And we are going to be like that. We are going to be compassionate like Jesus. We are going to be merciful, forgiving, loving like Jesus. We're going to go and pray for people and we're going to see the sick healed. We're going to see people being delivered like Jesus. And you and I, if you haven't realized it, this is the journey Jesus has called you and me to be part of. What an amazing God, isn't he? He's not uh, trying to force something into us, but this is, this is what. So we are called to be uh, the son, like Jesus in every way. With this understanding, we're going to read a passage from the Bible. So many people followed Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. It'll soon come up there. If you want to turn to your Bibles, more than happy. Um, it, um, he, so many people are following Jesus, and suddenly this happens. Luke chapter f- uh, 14, verses 25. Now great crowds accompanied him. Amazing, isn't it? Following So many people are following, probably hundreds, probably even thousands following Jesus. To them, suddenly, and it says, and he turned 
and said to them. Okay, not even with them. I find it very interesting. Not even like, hey, come on. One of the things that really excites us when people are following and you know, so many people are there, what could you complain about? Wow, this is all. God's mission is going so smooth and so wonderful. This is it, yes. No. To them, suddenly, Jesus turns and faces them and he's making a point. Now listen to this carefully after this. Verse 26 onwards. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he gives some examples, verse 33, then he goes on. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. I'm just reading this and I'm thinking, what? Everything was going so well, so many people following, and that's the, you know, kind of a glory moment, and you kind of give a word, it's like, yeah, you know what? I would expect Jesus to turn and say, I'm gonna bless you all. I'm gonna do this. You have taken the right decision, you. He turns out to be, I don't know if anybody is in the marketing business here? Yeah, the worst kind of marketing. How many times you've heard preachers preach this? Come and advertise Jesus. Hey, you're called to be followers of Jesus? Well, you can't be. <laughs> Is that what trying to say? Is that what trying? What comes to your mind when you read this passage? Okay, many a times we look at, oh, at least I, in a very early time, we used to like, Jesus is so strict. He's a sadist. He's like, mm, you can't be my disciple. You, you can't be my disciple. You, you need to hate. You do this, you need to do that. No, he was setting things in perspective. Why? Because he's not setting a target on this journey, as I said, you know, he's calling us on this journey. He's not setting a target, now do this, 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 this to become that, okay? He's not setting a target and asking us to work hard towards that. You wanna achieve that? It's not gonna be easy, this is what you do. No, he's saying, you have chosen to follow me, so you are in a journey with me. You are in a journey with me, you are coming with me. That's not a target to achieve, that is your destination. We are all heading there. But while we are all traveling with Jesus towards that destination, he's trying to say, hey, you know what, you're following, we are reaching that destination, but we cannot reach there if this is there. We cannot reach there if this is there. What is he doing? He's just teaching us simple mathematics. I'm gonna read the passage again, but this time, try and, is that, oh, if you, do you see the bold letters? What does he say? You cannot be my disciple if you don't hate. And then he says, cannot, come on, help me. The next one he says, if you don't? Very good. And next one he says? 
what he's trying to say is, there in the first one, he's kind of causing a division, right? He's causing a division, he's teaching division to us. The next one, when he comes, you bear your own cross, he's adding something to it, so he's teaching addition. And then he says, if you don't renounce yourself, you cannot be my disciple. He's teaching subtraction. See, it's just simple mathematics that Jesus is teaching and helping us to understand what it means to be the disciples of Jesus. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm not here to say, hmm, you're not doing well. That's not what Jesus is trying. Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You're on this great journey of becoming like me, but there are certain things you need to divide. There are certain things you need to subtract. There are certain things you need to add. And you know what? You are going to be my disciple. You are in that. We are towards that destination, and we are in a journey together. The first thing is addition. We'll go through the proper, what to say, easy way. The first thing is always taught in school is addition, isn't it? Before we go into division and multiplication. So let's go on to addition. What does it say? The one who does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Or, in other words, he's saying, you need to take your cross and follow me. What does this mean? That's a very poor advertisement, isn't it? Oh, wow, exciting. Take your cross and follow me. A sign of pain and suffering. And have you thought about it before? Yes. I'm just making you, I'm just giving space for you to think. Okay? I'll move on. I'll just try to, probably you're thinking about it. I want you to, uh, um, what to say, uh, meditate as we go along with that. Addition is asking at the cross. He's not tra- saying, okay, your life is going to be suffering from now on. Your life is going to be, mm, that's it, pain and sorrow. You. That's, this is how it is, it's gonna be like you take your cross and follow. Now what he's trying to say, Paul explained this in, in Galatians um, 5 verses 24, this is what he does, I'm gonna read that. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. What, you see you carry the crucifixion of Jesus on you when you choose to become a disciple. What happens, he doesn't mean you carry sorrow and suffering all over you, no. He's just reminding the fact that you have made this decision because of what has happened, you have been crucified with Jesus on the cross and you have been resurrected with his new life. You see, so our flesh and its passion and its desire is crucified with Jesus Christ and as we are united with him in this journey, okay? So how do we do that? There's another verse, Um, uh, again Paul writes, offer every part of yourself to Jesus our Lord as instrument of righteousness. As instrument of righteousness. How many of you Get up in the morning, the first thing. I've been taught that, and then I, that really helps me. I offer the parts of my members or my body and say, Lord, I offer this as parts of righteousness before you, Lord. Lord, help me to see the right things. Help me to shun the wrong things. 
Lord, help, I pray for my heart. I want to desire after you. I want to desire the right things, not the wrong things. One of the prayers we, we taught our children to do, and they do it very well, and we're so happy. They say, very simple prayer. Lord, help us to say yes to good things and no to bad things. And very every day they pray this prayer. And I think we need as much. Lord, I pray for my legs. Lord, help me to walk. What I mean is it's just not the physical body, but I mean the effect of it. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to, Lord, hear the right things, hear your voice among all the noises that's happening in this world. That is what it means by offering your parts as a, um, instruments of righteousness for God. Let me be your voice, Lord. Let me see your vision, Lord. Let me do your work, Lord. Do you understand? And that, by doing that, you're actually crucifying your sinful passions and desires, but living the life of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. And, and you're already becoming like Jesus. Do you see? That's where you are. And I are disciple of Jesus. Are you ready to add? Simple, practical things to do is remind ourselves constantly that our sinful passion and desires have been crucified with Christ. Every day, remind yourself, I don't belong to myself. I belong to Jesus. Remind ourselves constantly that we've been bought with a price unimaginable. We have received forgiveness. We were talking about returning to the first love where the Holy Spirit convicts us we're talking about Psalm 51, asking Lord, Lord, clear every unrighteousness of me by your grace and mercy. And God, so rich in mercy and love, he forgives us, he accepts us, but that didn't come free. That didn't just come like, he made a decision, oh, okay, I'm gonna forgive you now. It didn't come free. He paid an unimaginable price in your place, in my place. And that's what we need to always remember. Do you understand? Yes. That's what we do. So how does this affect us? This affects our day-to-day -day life, what we desire, how we work, how we talk, uh, knowing that our sinful passions and desires does not take control of our hearts, our mind, our thoughts, our relationships, our Whatever we do, our intentions, so add the cross into your life. We cannot become disciples of Jesus if we don't add this. The next one is, are you with me? Students? No, disciples. Uh, subtraction. Subtraction, obviously you know what is subtraction. We have called to remove what, uh, something, all right? Take away something. Right, I go, again want to read that verse, remind Luke 14, verses 33. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. <clears throat> what, does he, what does he mean by that? Is he saying, oh no, I'm gonna now give away everything. That's it, subtraction. It makes him feel like he's a sadist. No, that's not what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say is remove the idol of possession from your life. You see, idol of gaining more, idol of, that comes because of greediness, 
I want more. Why do I work? Why do I do this hard work? Because I want that. I want that. We take pride in our possessions. We work towards that. We invest towards that. We give in all our focus, our energy, and we do a lot of things towards that. I want a better car. I want a better job. I want a better house. I want a better that, better this. I want a better phone. I'm not saying this is wrong. Don't get me. Jesus also is not saying, trying to say, no, give everything off. No, what he's trying to say, remove the idol of possession from your life. Above all those things, Jesus is the greatest treasure. Can you see that? Can you see that? He says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Very simple. So in a way, he's trying to say, subtract anything that would make or make you feel that that is more precious than Jesus in your life. How do you know this? You give it your time. You give it your energy. You give it your planning. You give it everything. You're, you're focused on that. You're giving your worship to that idol more than Jesus. That's how you know it. Are you really, sometimes we don't understand this, isn't it? sometimes we don't realize that we are doing it. I don't realize I'm doing that. But is Jesus the greatest treasure for you about all the possessions that we have? In fact, this is what Satan did to Jesus as well. He went up, uh, took him to the mountain. He said, sure, all this, all this belongs to me. You just bow down to me. It's yours immediately. They said, get away from me, Satan. I will worship only my God. He is the greatest treasure for me. It's all about him. Everything else is nothing. Let's look at the life of Paul. This is what he's writing. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything else as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all the things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Jesus Christ. Can you and me say this today so boldly? Yes, this is it. This is it. What a challenge. Becoming like Jesus is worth more than anything in my life, in your life. That is subtraction. How could we do this? How could we do this? One of the simple techniques is that constantly reminding yourself that your possessions are not permanent and they can vanish instantly. What did COVID teach us? We all have been through this. We've seen earthquakes in places. We've, we've seen storms in places. So one day, today I'm a million, and the next day, I'm a pauper. Why? Everything is washed out, and I had no control over it. Gone. So remind ourselves our possessions are not permanent, and they can vanish instantly. Another way of helping us to not be too precious about the possessions is being generous in sharing what I have with others, especially those in need. Yeah? Let's begin this 
let's this gain this heart of being so generous. I'm not saying you are not. Please don't mistake me. Please don't mistake. It's just a reminder of what Jesus is saying. It's just let's be more generous. Let's be more willing to share our possession with people, especially those in need. And that helps us subtract this idol of possession in our life so that we will gain Jesus and he's the greater treasure. Next one. What's the next one? Division. Very good. Division. This is an interesting thing as well. So I'm going to read that, uh, uh, that verse again. Um, the, uh, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What is Jesus trying to say there? Do you understand? Is he trying to cause a confusion? Is he trying to say, now, you need to hate them. So long you've been supporting them, so long you've been loving them. Now, from now on, hate. No, you, you listen to the thing carefully. He said, if anyone comes to me, that's how he starts. Anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, cannot be. What Jesus is trying to say is the idol of relationship, right? Idol of, he's not trying to, see there are certain things like possessions and things that you hold on, you can subtract, you can take it away. Today you can just chuck it off. But there are certain things you cannot chuck it off. He's not saying now chuck it, that's why he didn't use subtraction to say when he denoted about relationship, family, and all that, what he's trying to say is he's causing the division in the priority. What is your greatest priority of relationship? In your relationship, what is the greatest priority? Is it you love your parents so much? You love your children so much? You love your wife so much? You love your husband so much? Or is it another friend? Don't think the family means just this, okay? You may be single, but you'll have great friends as a relationship with you. Do you understand? It could be any sort of relationship. Are you valuing it or prioritizing it over the relationship and the fellowship you and I have with Jesus? We got to be very careful with it. That's why he's not trying to take it away. He's just saying, no, just now stand at the moment and make the division. No, God is my first priority. Jesus is my first priority. Why? Do you know why he's saying that? Because of setting the right priority as God as my first relationship, what happens is this has an amazing positive effect on my other relationship. You do this division only so that you will love your parents more. You do this only so that you love your children more. You do this only so that you love your husband and wife and your friends and your siblings more. Do you understand? Without this, that won't happen. Sometimes unknowingly we are so caught up with this. A very good example of this was uh, when Jesus tested Abraham. He gave him a son after so many years, 100 years, and a yes, wow. Lord, you are so great. Your promises, oh, amazing. He's full of probably saying, he's singing, oh, hero of heaven, 
You conquered the grave. And probably he didn't, okay? I'm just uh, saying this. He was so full of worship, praising the land of the plentiful. Blessed be your name. But then suddenly comes, God just puts in, I want him to sacrifice now. Did he really want Isaac killed? Did he really want, no, destroy him, this is who I am. Now I said, no, he's trying to align himself, make the right division in your heart. In Hebrews we see, verses 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 17, 19, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He's looking out for the promise. Oh, but you promised, Lord. He considered that God was able to even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Because of this, you only get more of the other thing. He's not trying to say, cut it out. Chuck them out of your house now. No, that's not what he's trying to say. Love God more that you will love. Show true love to your spouse. Show true love to your parents, to your kids, to your friends, to your colleagues, to your neighbors. That will only happen when this is prioritized. So he is crossing there, asking us to make the right division like Abraham did. When Abraham did it, he says that was credited to him as righteousness. Hey, church, we are called to be disciples of Jesus. Let's do the addition of crucifying our sinful passions and, and desires every day. Let's do the subtraction of removing the idol of possessions. Let's do the division of setting God as the right priority. And he is the one dividing that. And because of that, having the benefit. Relationship with Jesus becomes the primary source of joy, rest, strength, and providence. Just think for a moment. Who is your primary source of joy, rest, strength? Ah, how I wish I just got home and be with my spouse. How I wish I had my friend with me, how I wish. It's great, not that, but is that your primary source of joy and rest and strength? How could we achieve this? We could achieve by spending quality time with Jesus, giving the right and appropriate and full concentration, undivided attention to God our Father. And we could do this every day Every time, ever so often, all the time we are with him, thinking of him, always giving and spending quality time. Let's check our quiet and our daily devotion time with God. Our prayer time, my Bible reading, which talks so wonderfully, reminded us last week about to tuning into God. This is what he's meaning, bringing in the division. The final thing is multiplication. All right. Good. Obviously, disciples are called to multiply. And by nature, they do multiply. Right? Okay, I'm just going to read the verse Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. The great commission, as we know, when Jesus died and he, he rose again, he's ascending into heaven. This is the thing. He had 11 disciples. Interesting, if you read a few verses before, it says, and the doubters as well. Even those who doubted, even those like... Is that really Jesus? Mm. 
and, and all that sorts. And he says, he included them, and he, this is the great commandment. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. The same promise with Carissa today says, this is the verse, he said, for I am the God who is fear not, for I am with you. Isn't that amazing? Which Carissa felt, oh, what am I going to do? She felt God's presence and God lead, and he is going to be as a great support as we do this multiplication. By nature, we are called to be multipliers. Just talk to yourself and just say, I'm going to make, for example, rock. I'm just taking rock. I'm going to make another rock. Do you really want to? No? <laughs> you are a follower of Jesus. You are in the process of becoming like Jesus. So yes, please go for it. And that's why Paul said, oh, follow me. Imitate me. Do you understand? So you are all in the process of making and multiplying. How do we do this? Be intentional in sharing the good news of God's kingdom with everyone. Whatever opportunity you have, this becomes an amazing thing that you cannot control yourself, but you go and share the good news of God's kingdom with everyone. One of the simple things I've learned, and it's so important that we do a start, a beginning point is begin by, begin by praying for someone genuinely and keep checking on them. Yeah? Somebody suggested this, a quick suggestion. They have a calendar, prayer calendar, 30 days, okay? They write names of their friends on all the 30 days, 30 different friends, okay? Someone whom they know very closely, maybe a churchgoer, someone who may not be a churchgoer, but they, they write the names. And that particular day, every day, they choose to pray for that person. Lord, bless them, Lord. Lord, bless them, Lord. And what they do, they send them an encouraging, inquiring text for them. Hey, how are you doing? I've been thinking of you. I've been praying about you. And, and may God bless you with this. They started to do that. Yeah? Isn't that a great suggestion? Something I want to do. Definitely. And then you multiply by living a role modern life. Yes? People don't want just to hear what you say, but want to see who you are. And that's what really, really makes a big difference in our lives. I can go on. There's a, this in itself is a big topic, which I will, at one point we will go into. But I just want to remind you again, Jesus is teaching mathematics to all of us. He's teaching addition, very good. Subtraction, division, multiplication. So when you go home, if anybody on the way or in your family asks, what did you learn in church? We learned addition, we learned subtraction, multiplication, uh, division and multiplication. Do you see where it is going? Okay, I just want to, um, we've come to half 11 now. Um, so I'm just gonna close in prayer. While we do that, if, uh, if you need to go and collect your kids, parents, please feel free. Just go and collect your kids. But we're just gonna just spend a couple of minutes 
thinking and pondering about what you heard now. Jesus just said, you cannot be my disciple. Rather than do this, this, this to be my disciple, no. Because he knows you are in the process, you are in the journey of becoming like him. But there are certain things that will hinder you and me becoming like him. So we add what we need to, we subtract what we need to, we divide and we multiply. Do you add the cross? Do you subtract any idols of possessions in your life? Do you divide your priorities to give God the first priority? Do you multiply by sharing this good news with others? Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com or follow us on social media.